every day on The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chill, time for what's going on, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and twelve eighty, the Zone, where we check in with the uh, other shows on the station. You know, Gordon, it's not uh, uh, you know I mess up a lot of things like names and stuff, but usually the station I, I'm pretty solid on <laughs> until right now. Maybe I'm having an off day. I don't know. No, you're not. You're 97.5 just, and twelve eighty, the Zone. You just stumbled once. Big deal. All right. Uh, you you uh, excited about paying up on your incriminating audio, Ben? Not really. Okay. All right. No, I just it's. I uh, remind you about that. The Packers lost. Yeah, as I said, it uh, it suddenly got a whole lot less fun. That was me. It was a terrible <laughs> idea, but you and Austin wanted to keep going, and we got production. <laughs> All right, we'll keep this catastrophe uh, on the tracks. That sounds great. <laughs> you have nobody to blame but yourself. I wanted to scrap it. I said, this I know, is a but... terrible idea. And you and Austin were like, oh, double or nothing. All right, let's scrap it. We can't now. We have production. We can scrap it? Well, we're certainly not scrapping it until you record your <laughs> incriminating audio. Oh, that's, man. That's right. for sure. I've been, been mulling over uh, what to do. You know, have you say something about you missing various body parts and such. But Look, I, I mean, I, I saw one of your ideas, and that's, that's just out of bounds. Come on. No, it's not. Not gonna destroy. I'm not gonna describe for everybody body parts. All right. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I'm, I'm gonna think about it. I think we'll record that when Austin gets back. But come up with something good. Uh, let's get to. Uh, let's check in with the other shows. Gordo. Let's start uh, with DJ and PK. Of course, you hear him every single morning here on the Zone Radio Network. Uh, here's those two talking about BYU. The question of the morning, BYU, now firmly inside the top 10 in the polls. Where can they top out at? How high can they go, PK? Because I'm thinking they're going to top out six or seven. I'm not talking about BYU getting into the playoff. I just don't see that. I just don't see where they're going to allow it. But I view Boise and San Diego State as solid tests. And to me, those are two really good games. And I don't care that they're not P5. That doesn't matter to me. Yeah, the schedule is not you know what it was, and it wasn't uh, seven, eight games of strong, solid tests. Houston losing didn't do them any favors. Navy continues to lose. So the schedule right now is weaker than it was uh, at this time last week. Looking back, looking forward now, if they win both these games, those are huge wins, and they should move up. Now, obviously, if they lose, that puts a major your dent in it. It's like the balloon is out of air. If you lose to Boise Friday, and they very well could lose. Boise's an excellent team. I'm very, very, very much looking forward to that game. If BYU wins out and beats these two very good ball clubs that they have left on their schedule and gets a nice P5 opponent in a bowl game and wins that, if I'm a BYU fan, I'm good to go. There you go. DJ and PK breaking down BYU. Uh, what did you think? I agree with everything PK said. I mean, he's right on the money on every one of those points. So that's what uh, that's what uh, the Cougars are faced with now. It's put up or shut up time. And uh, everyone has an inkling that this is a, an improved Cougar team this time around. And, uh, well, they beat Boise State last year. 
can they do it again with this supposedly improved team? They have to, or else their season becomes – if they lose this – even if they lose one game, uh, then it puts them in a situation where if they do go to a bowl game, it'll be some lesser bowl that a lot of people don't care about. Yep. If they do win this game, Jake, and then they do beat San Diego State, now you're talking about I think they are in the running for a, a nice, really nice bowl. And they'll continue to get lots of talk. Even even though they won't be in the playoff, they're included in the p- playoff candidates. You saw you see it on every studio show that has anything to do with college football. There, when they talk about the playoff, there's BYU right there. I mean, it's at the bottom of the list, but you know, it's it's being mentioned, and that's valuable for that program. And it's it's good for them to continue to be considered, even if they don't get in. But for that consideration to continue, obviously, they have to win Friday night. 100% most important game of the year by far, and they're all important for the reasons you lay out. I, I don't think a New Year's Six Bowl is going to happen regardless. So uh, It'll be hard, though. If BYU is ranked sixth uh, or if they're about, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I, BYU is going to finish the year ranked in the top ten. Even if they go undefeated? Yeah, I don't. Yes. Yeah, I don't. And that doesn't really have as much to do with BYU as it does. Their schedule is weird in the fact that they're going to take a huge long break and out of sight, out of mind. And I don't know. I, this, this is the this is the pessimist in me doubting the system. You think the system has not forgotten 1984? Well, I think the system already has to include an outsider. And I just don't see them including two. Well, the the Vegas odds, and I, somebody mentioned this, but the Vegas odds have BYU with the sixth best odds, if I'm remembering correctly. I hope I got that right. The sixth best odds to get into the playoff. I'm going to look that up real well, quick. Well, if only your magic Vegas wizard was making the decision. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, let me hear a little. I'm double checking that because I want to be, and uh, and Zach Wilson is uh, fourth, in uh, the best odds for a Heisman. Of course, they're considerably out of balance uh, relative to others. Okay, this is these are the teams in front of BYU as far as best odds. Current odds: two to one, Alabama; two to one, Ohio State; nine to four, Clemson; eighteen to one, Georgia; twenty-five to one, Notre Dame. 28 to 1 Florida and 50 to 1 BYU. That's heady company, man. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. They're 7th. They're tied with Wisconsin, by the way, at 7 with their odds to get in the college football playoff. And yes, you always remind me it's just somebody who's drawing the line somewhere to even out the money, right? It's true. Or, or it and, could be uh, a wizard that predicts the future. Because <laughs> that's on what the high, most people on the think it is. On the Heisman front, Mac Jones is now – Trevor Lawrence is no longer the favorite. Mac Jones, 5-4. to four, Justin Fields, 3-2. to two, Trevor Lawrence, 5-2. to two, And Zach Wilson, 28-1. to one. But he's fourth. Well, I <clears> – <throat> I hope BYU handles their business and makes it a conversation. 
Yeah, because it's, it, it's good. it definitely isn't going to happen if they lose. It, so that, that, that's right. It's good for BYU regardless of whether they actually get in or not. In this day and age of uh, public relations and uh, trying to build your program and trying to get some notoriety for it, BYU has been irrelevant for quite some time. And now all of a sudden they're playing this soft schedule, and suddenly everyone's talking about BYU. It's it it, it that that much is a fact. And so does that do your program a lot of good as far as recruiting, as far as reputation, as far as name value? Yeah, I think that helps them. It may help them as much as actually getting into anything. Uh, let's see. Play Angry um, tweets at me. His, uh, at Cougars09, so BYU fan, <laughs> says, but you think a Pac-12 team playing six games can receive a decent bowl offer? That's ridiculous. Well, you're operating in a world uh, where you think things are fair. Uh, I'm operating in in reality uh, where the Pac-12 is part of the club, man. The Pac-12 is going to go to to the Rose Bowl. A Pac-12 team is going to go. Well, they're the bottom end of the club. Yeah. They're They're, they're the last man in the door, right? uh, Sure, but they're still in. So, I mean, I'm not not really telling people how I'm rooting because I don't care. I just am pretty jaded by the whole system. I mean, why uh, years of covering the Mountain West Conference and they'd let Utah in. Remember when both Boise State and TCU were undefeated and they said, okay, we'll let you both in, but you got to play each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. This uh, is the, they're the same people running the college football playoffs. So why, if they're con- contractually obligated to let one G5 team in, why would they split the pie another way? I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. And you ask why a Pac-12 team playing six games can receive a decent bowl offer? Because they're contractually obligated, and BYU is not. So, I mean, you may not like it that the Pac-12 is playing uh, six games or whatever, but, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, I I hear what you see. So you're thinking Mr. Hancock really uh, hasn't changed his attitude much. I'm thinking Mr. Hancock's bosses. (laughs) Haven't really changed their <laughs> attitude much. And that does go back to 1984 to bring this this conversation full circle. Because yeah. BYU started the this train rolling where everybody else and the, the supposed elites looked around and said, God, that, that's not supposed to happen. What, you know, what can we do to is, stop that from happening again? One of the ironies to that whole thing is that the team that comes to mind that preceded BYU as a national champion, who do you think was the – uh, the lesser of the national champions before BYU. Wait, hold on. Who, what are you asking who would you, me? Who would you guess? The, the least highly thought of program to win a national championship before BYU did. Ball State. No, Clemson. <laughs> and okay. now look at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, uh, I hope – I hope that things work out all right. And, you know, college football oftentimes uh, bends over backwards or appears to, to uh, you know, be fair, but it's just not. Well, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. You're either in the club or you're not. Right. And uh, sometimes someone outside the club gets thrown a bone, but how often do two? Yeah, I mean, it's... And is Cincinnati going to lose? I don't know. I haven't checked out their schedule. Are they going to lose somewhere along the way? I haven't looked at it either. All right, Gordon, let's, uh, we're running low on time, so let's get to this. So let's get to Hanson Scotty and, and talk about the Utes a little bit. Here's those two breaking down the offense. The further along we get and the, and the more that I, I learn about this offense, I keep thinking it's going to be Cameron Rising. 
And you think they hit the ground running offensively, especially against Arizona? I do. I, I expect this to be an early success type offense. When you've got and, – and really I lean on three skill positions or three names in the skill position. I, I rely on Britton Covey as a, as a grounding presence. I rely on Brian Thompson and his speed to take off the top. And I rely on Brent Keithy as my drop-off point. With that offensive line and, and its stability. And so I know, I know with these running backs, you're going to get the yards in this offensive line. You're going to be able to produce the yards. I think that the run game is going to be there. And they'll average four and a half, five yards a carry. But I rely heavily on those skill groups to, to be playmakers and to be a settling presence, to be the, the, you know, the in-the-locker-room guys that kind of in your face. And I know Jake Bentley was nominated as one of the captains, but I, I think that you've got some incredibly st- stabilizing presence in, in those three names that I just gave you. Hmm. So really lean on them and really lean on that, that offense. How do how do you look at that defensively? How do you, how does Vegas look at that and justify fourteen points though? Losing all the names I just gave you. I think it's a high respect. Okay, well, also keep in mind that I think you know we, we always need to remember that Vegas is setting a line to make money, so they're going to throw a number out there to see people like you and me or somebody else out there going, wow, after all that Utah lost, they're going to put that money or they're 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 going to put that line at fourteen. We should put some money on Arizona. And then adjust that line accordingly. But at the end of the day, it's about respect and, frankly, disrespect, too. It's respect for what Utah's built and then disrespect for the fact that Arizona brought back Kevin Sumlin. And that's a team that allowed 36 points a game defensively last year and lost seven in a row to end the season last year. So ultimately, it's a smack in the face to Arizona as well as much as it is a pat on the back for the University of Utah. Uh, this is, by the right, way, right out of the gates. I think they cover it, though. Arizona or Utah? Utah. Oh, I do too. So, I mean, you and I are both kind of roller. I mean, we're both kind of shocked to see the spread at fourteen, but but then we, you, when you think about it, you're like, meh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I could see it being a uh, thirty, you know, thirty-five twenty game. Thirty-four. It always seems like game. Utah starts off slow, offensively, especially whether they're playing uh, Weber State or whatever. Yeah, and I, and I tell you why, Lloyd. There, there are very few years in the last fifteen that we can remember having the same offensive coordinator, or the same quarterback, or or a mix of the two. And I know you're you're missing the quarterback here, but I think you found a really solid stabilizing product as a coordinator. And so this offensive line knows what to expect. Brian Thompson knows what to expect. Keithy. These guys all kind of know what to expect. I, I mean, Lloyd, what what do we have? A sample size of maybe two in the last fifteen years of having the same quarter coordinator in back to back years. Right, and how much of it is also Utah just always being as vanilla as possible as Witt likes to be at the start of the season? Well, just, they, I mean, they always it always seems like they 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 sputter in that first game. But you know, it's always against usually one of those FCS opponents, too. right? I mean, I can't remember. I think Michigan. It's about the only time I can remember in the rec- in recent history that that Utah's opened up against a non FCS opponent. And I know they opened up against Utah State in thirteen, uh, but for the most part, it's been, you know, Montana or excuse me, Montana State, Northern yeah. Colorado, Weber State. 
Yeah, and every time and, and, coming and, out of that game, it's like, uh-oh, there's yeah. problems. Remember they played, was it Southern Utah, and Garrett Bowles just got worked? Yeah. And you're like, this might be a problem. Yeah. And then, you know, he ends up turning it around. Yeah. So you don't have that luxury this year. You're going up right up against the Pac-12 out of the gate. I think that Andy Ludwig is up for the task, though. And I, and I think that this entire offensive staff understands better what's expected of them. And, and so, Lloyd, your question, or, or, or Scotty, I can't remember who posed it, I, I would expect Utah's offense to be able to put 35-plus 30, on the board against Arizona, yes. And if they don't, I'll be discouraged about it. All right, there you go. Hanson Scotty talking about uh, Utah and going up against Arizona. I think, you know, going up against Arizona, uh, Gordon, is a much better way to start than what USC and Arizona State have to do. I think I'd, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to start with one of my better opponents. I agree with a lot of what those guys were saying. I, I think Hans was pretty right on the money. I don't know about his optimism as far as the point total, though, uh, early in the season in the first game like that. That, that sounds – a little bit optimistic, but I agree with him. Those skill position guys can really have a big say in how, how smoothly everything runs. And I've always believed that a new a young quarterback, a quarterback who is new, I'll put it that way, depending upon which one of these guys gets the nod, as far as I'm concerned, if you have receivers and you have a reliable run game, and I think the Utes have both of those things, then it makes it makes their job so much easier. And I think a guy like Keithy, whoever the starter is, can depend on that guy. And I, I, I feel highly about uh, Britton Covey and, and Brian Thompson. And there's others as well. So I know you're a little less optimistic about those receivers, but I, I think that's a big, big boon to that Utah offense. I just don't know whether they're going to get you know, 30, 40 points in game one. Well, so if you had to make a bet, real quick, because we've got Tanner Bingham coming up uh, next. Utah hasn't had a 1,000-yard receiver, I believe, since um, uh, Drez Anderson. God, what would that have been? Gordon, go back, what, 2013 probably, somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, something like that. Do they have one this year? I think it might be spread around enough that they don't have one. But – uh, I, I'll tell you who I think is going to be the leading receiver, and that's Keithy. Unless defenses gang up on him to the point where the, he just he just has to act as a decoy. I think Keithy could have a thousand yards. I would be surprised if anybody. That's else something did. for a tight end to get that many. Oh, it'd be especially uh, in a short season like this. Still the best candidate, in my opinion. Oh yeah, well, good point, Gordon. It's not happening this year, not uh, in the short season. So that was a dumb question. I apologize. Here, look well, at me we, convincing myself that things are normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, that would be quite an accomplishment in a year like this. Yeah, but, that's not happening. But but we get the idea. You get we what know what you're saying. saying. Mm-hmm. Good. Oh man, I wish things were normal. Wouldn't it be nice to have standards? How many times like, have you? How many times have you said that today? Over and over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, stay tuned. Tanner Mangum is going to join the show. We'll talk a little BYU football with Tanner uh, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Big show. 
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Action Plumbing. Joining us now, our Cougar Insider, former BYU quarterback, Tanner Mangum, with us here on The Big Show. What's happening, Tanner? What's up, Jake? How's it going? Doing well. Good, buddy. Good, very good. Uh, eager that this this is the big week, right? BYU, Boise State. Uh, love it that we have this this great game to talk about this week. It's finally here. I, I mean, we talked about this at the very beginning of the season a uh, month and a half ago, and now we have the, the opportunity to see BYU play Boise State, which was obviously uh, one of the, the better teams that they could get on their schedule uh, last minute. And I'm excited. I mean, I, I, I think it's looking at the weather. I was just checking out the weather. It's going to be a little inclement up there in Boise. Uh, but so who knows how that will, that, that will affect the game. But uh, I'm super happy to see that, that, that this game is finally taking place uh, on the blue, no less, where BYU is 0-5. And so there's a lot of different storylines here. And this is, this is probably uh, you know, one of the biggest games in BYU history in a long time because I think it'll, it'll really help solidify their chances for a, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl. Who knows, you know, a potential playoff spot, depending on how things shake out. But a lot riding on this game and excited to see how, how, uh, how both teams uh, show up prepared on a, on, a, on a short week. So... Okay, so nobody knows exactly how it's going to go, but Tanner, based on what you've seen out of BYU in the last couple of weeks, what are you expecting as far as their their ability to rise to the occasion? Well, I think I go back to three weeks ago versus Houston. I think that game is going to teach BYU a lot because that was a team that, that had better talent, that had a better scheme, uh, that had just a, you know, provided a tougher matchup than any other opponent they've faced. And while they have showed up week to week and dominated, I think now they, they know that they're going to have to uh, prepare even even more. They're going to have to scheme even more. They, they can't just rely on on, uh, on dominating their opponent because Boise State has some, has some dudes. They got some players. They always do, and they're well coached. I thought last year's game was uh, was was an anomaly for Boise State. I thought they showed up not well prepared and – and not well coached overall in that in that upset game where Baylor Romney led BYU to the victory, and and but overall by and large BYU is a well Boise State is a well coached team, and I think they're gonna uh, want to make up from last year's game, and now here they are at home, they're just starting their season, and so they're gonna be they're they're riled up, ready to play, ready to make a statement themselves. You know, th- you have to think about this. Boise State had they had a full season like BYU did. They would be. They might be in this top ten conversation too, like BYU is. So they're seeing BYU kind of take their steal their thunder a little bit. Usually, Boise State is the G five team that that makes noise, that that uh, makes makes some noise in the top ten and and uh, is in conversations for cracking the New Year Six Bulls. But this year, BYU is doing it, and so Boise State they're excited to finally not be on the field playing. You know, they've been just sitting back having to watch. And so it's it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, they're they're going to be ready to play. But that being said, I think Boise, I think BYU will learn from the Houston game. They'll learn from the schemes that have worked that have worked for them this year. And and I think uh, I think they're going to show up and and uh, I think it'll be a close game. 
But I think with everything going riding on the line, I think BYU is going to uh, make big plays when it matters most. I think Zach and that receiving crew are going to make make plays when they need them, and I think the the defense will step up like it has all year. And uh, I'm I I think that BYU will come out with a with a closer victory, probably the closest victory of of the season. You mentioned that Houston game, and I remember I asked you something similar before that game because. What we watched on Saturday against Western Kentucky was not BYU's best effort. There was uh, mistakes. The second half was uh, was not what the first half was, certainly. And um, would you guess that the coaches are actually happy about that in a weird way because they've got something to really kind of grind on going into this big game and not get complacent? Oh, totally. I think I think you've seen that in every game, uh, most games. I, I think this, despite the blowout wins, there are still tons of things to work on, tons of things to improve on. Uh, and and to your point, it wasn't their best game, but even then, they still found a way to win by 31 points and cover the spread, and which you know which speaks to their their consistency, generally speaking. But we talked about this um, against UTSA, where there were some issues in the secondary, and then how that would affect them against Houston, and it and it did to an extent. And I think those issues are going to be looked at this week because Boise State has some a passing game. They have. Jack Sears transfer from Boise from USC, who can who can throw the rock. They have talented receivers. Uh, they you know they they have guys now that the this BYU secondary haven't seen all year, uh, apart from maybe Houston. Um, and so that's going to be that's going to be something that I'll be looking at uh, this week is is the secondary and how Boise State looks to exploit it, and uh, and then how BYU steps up to the challenge. Um, but I, I think that Houston game did teach the coaches. It, it, it taught the team overall that they need to uh, make some adjustments with scheme based on the guys that they're playing against across, that are lining up across from them. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be it's going to come down to. But I think I think it's, it's going to be a close game. And it's going to come down to turnovers. BYU has only thrown two interceptions all year. Fumbles have been limited. Can they maintain that? Can they keep that that positive turnover margin? Can Boise State cause turnovers? You know that that'll be really. I think that'll be really crucial in uh, deciding the outcome of this matchup. So Tanner, what do you make of uh, what BYU does defensively? And do you think that they will be aggressive against Boise, or will they do that three man front and drop eight back? I think it'll be a mixture. And but but if I'm them, I'm bringing pressure uh, as as a quarterback. There's, there's a. If, if I had a choice, I would rather have a team drop eight, even though it does make windows a little bit smaller, uh, even though it does, you know, maybe force your receivers to uh, to find the open zone, to find the open hole and sit in it. I'd rather have time back in the pocket to allow things to develop, because defenders, even if they have eight, even if, even if they are dropping eight it's hard to keep receivers covered for more than three to four seconds. Eventually the receivers are going to find open spots. They're going to, they're going to work. The quarterback's able to buy time. And so if, so if I'm, if I'm BYU and, and, and I'm preparing for Jack Sears transfer from USC, new system, uh, I'm, I'm pressuring him. And, 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 and obviously with the, the injuries that they've had in the quarterback position, you know, we're not sure exactly who we'll be seeing, uh, whether it's Bachmeyer or Sears, but either way, I think you, you need to bring pressure to make him uncomfortable. Don't allow him to just sit back there, buy time, allow these 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 athletic receivers to get open to, to find space downfield. And I think Kyrus Tonga is going to have a big role uh, on Friday. Can can he cause 
can he create pressure? Can Zach Daw create pressure? I think I think this defensive line for BYU is going to have a challenge to to uh, to, to cause havoc in the in the backfield for Boise State because if Boise has time, if, if he can sit there um, with with time to to allow things to develop, then I think that's when BYU DBs can get in trouble. Um, and so it's it's going to be interesting to see how BYU prepares what they choose to do. I think they'll mix it up. Knowing them, I think they will do a lot of drop eight just because I know it's something that they're comfortable with. Um, but I, I would expect them to mix it up and, and uh, also dial up some blitzes to cause some confusion um, on the quarterback for Boise State. Tanner, you obviously have those Idaho roots. What do you think Boise State has figured out? Uh, I mean, they're obviously consistently good. They've uh, achieved a lot over the past 20 years. Why do you think it works for them? Do they cheat or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think there's any cheating involved, but I think, I think BYU is getting a taste of what Boise State has enjoyed over the last 15 years. They, look, at, look at Boise State and their schedules each year and and then kind of compare it to BYU's. Boise State is every now and then they'll, they'll have some tough games. They'll, they'll play some, some power five teams. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll have a, a couple sprinkled, out, sprinkled throughout, their, throughout the year. But for the most part, they're playing Mountain West teams, which every now and then has some good teams. You know, every now and then you get your Utah States that go on, uh, that have good seasons, or Fresno States, or you know, there's some decent teams, but by and large, it's it's not the strongest conference. And so, when you're a dominant team like Boise State with superior athletic ability, uh, more history, it, more successful in, in recent history, which helps with recruiting, uh, good coaching staff, then you can you can go on these dominant runs and get ten, nine, ten, eleven win seasons back to back to back to back. And enjoying that winning helps with recruiting. And so then Boise State's able to recruit better players. They're able to, to uh, you know, recruit players saying, look, you come here, you, you'll compete for a Mountain West championship every year. You'll have a chance to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, a very high chance. You know, they're always in that conversation uh, for the most part. And we have a, a growing pedigree of guys that have gone to the NFL. And so if you come here, you'll have a good shot of, of winning a Mountain West championship, a bowl game and getting a shot at the next level. And so that, that helps with recruiting. But a lot of it comes down to the teams they're playing. And they, when, when you can dominate the teams you're playing year in and year out, that's, that's fun. And BYU, I think, is seeing that. Like I said earlier, B, Boise State is watching BYU steal their thunder, doing what Boise State usually does, uh, you know, go undefeated and, and cause some noise in, in, the, uh, in, in the rankings. And so I, I think it's, it, it, there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned this year. But I think one of them is that you don't have to have this heavily loaded Power 5 schedule to garner national attention. Sure, you need to have some better opponents to make a legitimate case for a playoff. You know, If you want to be considered a top five team, you need to have some legitimate wins against some tougher opponents. I'm not saying to make every season like this. But you don't have to load them up with Power 5 to, to, to create national attention or to get the national spotlight. And uh, I think it's something to consider moving forward and we'll see how this season affects future schedules in the years to come. Tanner, what do you make of the way BYU is getting by without uh, Bushman this year? Are you, are you pleasantly surprised by the other tight ends or what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I would say this, I would say if Bushman were there, they would be dominating even more. I think Dax, Milne, Gunnar Romney have, have, have benefited. I think more targets have gone to them. 
in the result of Bushman's act absence, because if Bushman's there, he's getting a lot of targets. He is a huge piece of that offense and one of the, one of the best tight ends in the country when healthy. And so it, my heart hurts more than anything because man, would this be an amazing year for him to increase his draft stock. If he were playing and having the type of year that his teammates are now having, playing against inferior opponents, having great numbers, I mean, he, he, you know, he'd, be a, he'd be right up there with, as, as one of the leading receivers for, for, another, for yet another year in his career. He's always the team's leading receiver. This year could have been the same, which only would have helped his draft stock and, and increased his chances of, of getting drafted higher next year. But, but now it's, you know, it's, it's who knows? It remains to be seen how how this injury will will affect him and how it will affect his draft stock. But it's uh, so that you know, that makes my heart hurt just because he's such a great guy, great player, great teammate. Um, and so that you know, that that's it truly is uh, is is tragic. Um, but as far as on the field goes, good good for BYU for stepping up for the guys around stepping up. The you know the other tight ends, the other receivers. You know they're just they haven't skipped a beat. But I think if Bushman's in there, they're even tougher to fend, even more lethal, and uh, just have even more options at Zach's disposal. Tanner, good stuff as always. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yep, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's our friend Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback and uh, our BYU insider. Yeah, it would be many, fun to see Bushman How many times have you thought of Huh? Yeah, how 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 many times have you thought of Matt Bushman this year? Actually, and, you know what, Gordon? Uh, how... Not a lot because they haven't really struggled a lot this year. I, I thought that was interesting. Tanner said, you know, they'd be dominating even more. I think I think he's 100% right. But, you know, I think it says something about their season thus far that we haven't been like, wow, where's Matt? They really need Matt Bushman. And give Dax Mills well, those, and, those, and Gunnar Romney those, credit, right? Yeah, and the other guys have stepped up too. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I guess. But, man, that guy's a talented receiver, and you just think that, they would just split the numbers a little different way. That, that's really it, you know. But against a team like Boise, that's when you need your stars to really shine. And so it would be helpful for them to have a guy like that. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I just have a weird feeling about going to Boise for BYU and, 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 and having to play on that blue turf. And it's just a, a different uh, surrounding. And as Tanner talked about, BYU, he said they're 0-5 on the blue turf. It's, uh, I don't know, they're going to have to disrupt uh, some some tendencies uh, that BYU has suffered up there. All right, uh, Gordo, we'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much. For making us part of your day. Hey, Gordon, uh, we're a little short here. We've got uh, Frank, our friend Frank Dolce, coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Can I tell you what my favorite story of the day is today? Sure, yeah. Uh, this is, uh, let's see here, Dateline Chicago. Uh, free agent pitcher John Lester uh, oh, yeah. might have pitched <laughs> his last game for the Chicago Cubs, but he's going out on a high note, Gordon. He uh, bought beers for patrons over Halloween weekend at four Chicago, Chicago bars, tweeting out his tab, which included, by the way, a 34% tip, the same number he uh, wears on his uniform. Uh, He spent $47,094.90 between Friday and Sunday, which included 
uh, $31,082.63 on Miller Lights and $16,012.27 in gratuity. Um, he sent out a tweet uh, uh, with all his uh, tabs, right? And it comes on the fourth anniversary of the Cubs winning the World Series for the first time in 108 years. And if you remember, Lester was the co-MVP of the NLCS that October, so he obviously played a big role. Uh, but how cool is that? So I, I only have one problem with the whole thing. Uh, good for him. Terrific. But does he really have to t- tweet it out, the receipts? I guess he doesn't have to, but why would you hold that against him? Just well, spent, I mean, uh, he just spent uh, <laughs> like forty grand on his fellow man. $47,000. He's kind of bragging about it, though, isn't he? Uh, I guess. I think he was. I think it's more like a thank you. Like, hey, thanks to all the fans out there. Let me buy you a beer. I know, but can't he do that without sending out the receipts? <laughs> you pick You pick the weirdest things to, to nitpick on stories. Uh, whatever. There's somebody him. who does a big thank you to his fans. Like, like a literal thank you, not just a, a tweet. Hey, thanks, y'all. But, like, hey, let me buy you a beer in a town that, let me tell you, Gordon, really likes its beer. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. I don't know. I, I guess I'm not holding it against him that he okay. sent out a tweet. All right. Uh, the I'm tweet says, you. thanks for coming out this weekend, y'all. Yesterday we added 1,372 Miller Lights to my tab, bringing our grand total to 4,838. Shout out to all the bars, their staff, and those cheering from afar whether this is a goodbye or see you next year, I love you, Chicago. Hashtag John's tab. All right. Oh, good for him. Oh, how dare he send out a picture of it? I didn't say that. How I dare just, he? I didn't quite put it that way. But anyway, well, good for him. He's, uh, you know, a little gratitude will uh, go a long way in this world. I think that's cool. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I like it. Sometimes the. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes. Oftentimes, the fans are ignored in sports, even though they are, you know, what makes it happen. And I mm-hmm. think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, and, you, could, and, you could say that John, you know, we always say that John Lester will never buy a beer in Chicago again. You know, well, he bought beers for a bunch of people. <laughs> $47,000 worth will go a long way, you know. Yeah, that's if you're a lot just of buying, beer. If you're, if you're just buying for yourself, yeah. Anyway, that that was my favorite story. Is he bragging about it? Come on. Come on. <laughs> and by the way, that comes from us who sit out the road home every holiday season and just do nothing but brag about how much money we raise. <laughs> good point. Really good point, actually. <laughs> I uh, I talked to our friend uh, Jake Jensen the other day, by the way. It looks like we're a go for the road home again this year. So that's huh? it. That's a good All thing. Right. Oh, yeah. I guess I talked to him like a month ago, but still. So we're going to brag again. Well, stay tuned this holiday. Well, it's not really us. It's our it's our listeners who do that, man. They are they are champions in that regard. I I have never seen a listenership like ours react for any station that I mean ever anywhere the way ours do for that one. Yep, and the road home is super important. In fact, there was a news story in your Salt Lake Tribune the other day that they're taking over operations of another shelter. So uh, your kindness, the Zone listeners' kindness, will be needed more than ever this holiday season. So I'm pretty excited about that. And you know what? Bragging aside, we're we're really proud of all the money that uh, that we raised over the years. It's a really great cause. Oh, yeah. Very ground-level helping people, and that's that's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, well, I tip a cap to our listeners because they're the ones that make that happen every single year. It, we, it, it's never failed. It's never been. It's never been a case where where our listeners go. Uh, they are consistently generous. No doubt. All right, Gordon, coming up next, we're going to get to Frank Dolce. We'll ask him his thoughts on the Utes now that uh, we are officially in game week for Utah. We'll ask him about the quarterback situation, ask him about Arizona. Who knows what else uh, we bring up with Frank. I'm sure you two will find something to gang up on me about, but, you know, <laughs> that just happens. It's to be well, expected. we'll look forward to it. Frank's coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.